0: Welcome to the KPC Podcast. This week's message is from Pastor Steve Keller. Today's sermon is entitled Life in the Spirit. Because it is a communion Sunday, it'll be a little bit shorter, but I got to warn you, this is a dynamite message. Now, it's not a dynamite message because I'm preaching it, it is a dynamic passage of Scripture. Today we are going to get into Romans chapter 8, which for some of you, it is your favorite chapter of the Bible, Sandy Morgan. And my intention when I got into this, I said, you know what, I'm going to preach Romans chapter 8 and then go on to Romans chapter 9. After 14 pages of notes, I said, Lord, we are going to camp out in Romans 8. So we may be here two or three weeks. Um, again, I do believe that there is life-changing information in this chapter. I talked about liberation. If you were here at the, at the beginning of the service, that I believe it's a day of liberation, and it's going to be the Word of God today. So Um, having said that, one of the things that I cherish, I treasure so much in the Christian life is God's promise to keep on growing us. You know, it's not like we say yes to Jesus Christ at some point in our lives and we just kind of wait for for heaven from there on out, or we tread water spiritually waiting to, to, to be snatched up in the air. God promises to grow us throughout all of the Christian life if we are willing, if we say yes. In other words, when we open the door of our hearts and we leave that door open by seeking the Lord, by by walking with Jesus Christ, God cleanses us, He strengthens us, and and He makes us more like Jesus as time goes by. And some of you have have had the the experience I've had where you're living your life for a while and you just take that spiritual look back and you're astounded at how far you've come. You're amazed at how much you've grown. And what this is, this is simply what Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, that when he says, I am confident that God who began a good work in you, he will carry it on to completion until the day Jesus Christ returns. God is serious about making us more and more like Jesus Christ through every season of our lives. Now, I say that, and I'll get personal with you for a minute and let you know that Jane and I have been in a season of our lives where God is doing a very deep work. Now, yes, God is always at work, but we've just been aware that, God, you you are digging deep. And what the Lord is doing in us is he is reaching down into some very old areas of shame and fear and guilt and listen, if, if the pastor can admit that, you know, there are some of these old places in me, folks, it's okay to admit that. We've all got some of this, but God has been reaching down, and as we acknowledge this, and as we, we, we don't hold it down but let God bring it up and God work it out, God is doing a Philippians 1-6 work in our lives. He has taken Jane and I to, to new levels of life and new levels of freedom And so today, in Romans chapter 8, this incredible treasure, we're going to see how God does this, how God works it out in us, how God takes us forward in one of the most beloved chapters of the Bible. And we're also going to see, this is very important, we're going to see the role we have to play in that. Because Nancy was right in that word that she shared with us, we partner with God. You know, We have a responsibility to walk with Jesus to take steps forward. And so we're going to see the role that we play in God's sanctifying work in our lives. Sanctification, again, is what? It's the process of becoming holy. So this is Romans chapter 8 today. And and one final note, there's a beautiful transition here I don't want you to miss. One final note before I read the Scripture. Remember, Romans chapter 7 is all about the the role or the place of the law in the lives of the believer, in the the lives of believers. Well, Romans chapter 8 is all about the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers. So just make sure you get that. Holiness is actually connected to the Holy Spirit. Who would have thought? So here we go. Uh, Romans chapter 8, beginning with verses 1 through 4, Paul begins and he's writing to us and he says, therefore... in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, Your Word is beautiful. We thank You for the power of the Word of God, that uh, Your Word is living. Father, it has the ability to pierce through joint and marrow, to penetrate to the very heart of us. And we thank You that, Lord, Your Word is also the sword of the Spirit, And it has the power to break shackles that have held us back for so many years of our life. So, Father, together as a congregation with our hearts, we just say yes to the work of your word, yes to the work of your Holy Spirit. Father God, we thank you, we praise you, and and we put ourselves under the word in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Okay, uh, chances are when I mentioned a moment ago that Jane and I, the Lord has been dealing with us on some areas of fear and shame, and guilt, and condemnation, chances are that some of you identified with that statement. Many Christians struggle right here, right in this place. Shame, guilt, condemnation. In fact, I think many of us live with this picture of God, whether it's in the back of our heads, and you know, it's just kind of there, or whether it's in the forefront of our minds, and we realize it, but we live with this picture, some of us, of God being this sentencing judge with his gavel in midair about to slam it down, and yet here is Paul making a statement. And y'all, the statement he opens with, it is great. It is a glorious statement. It is almost an imaginable, unthinkable statement that if you are in Christ Jesus, if you are a Christian, there is no condemnation hanging over you. Huge. There is no condemnation over us as Christians. Now, why not? Okay, well, let's just start with logic. Well, logically, we've been rescued. Salvation is ours. As Paul said a little bit earlier, you know, in some of the earlier chapters, we have peace with God. I want you to hear this from a shepherd who loves you. God does not stand over you in judgment. God does not stand judging like that, condemning, nor does the law of God condemn you any longer. Do, do you know what we are like? Okay, I mean, I, I said, Lord, give me a, a, an image of this to communicate. You know what every one of us is like? Spiritually speaking, we are like, and you're going to have to hold on to this for a second, okay? I'm going somewhere good with this, so let me warn you. We are all like the adulterous woman in John chapter 8. Okay, do you remember that scene? This this woman, okay, she's a train wreck, spiritually speaking. Her life is littered with sin. By the law of Moses, she should be stoned. She should be killed, but she comes face to face with Jesus Christ, and all of her accusers are with her. And Jesus speaks to her accusers. He gives them a statement of challenge, a statement of question. And what do they do at the end of Jesus' statement? They disperse. They all leave They all walk away, and then Jesus asks her the question in John chapter 8, verse 10 Where are your accusers? Is there anyone here now who condemns you? No, sir, she says. She answers back, No one, sir. And then Jesus says this, Then neither do I condemn you. I want you to let that that, that set in today, especially if you struggle in your mind, in your heart, if you you feel shackled, if if you're a Christian feeling condemned. Paul's point here, and and, and the point of John chapter 8, is that in Christ, and only by Christ, are we forgiven. Are we declared free? All of our sin, all of our condemnation, all judgment that could be hanging over us, any guilt we might feel, folks, it was settled At the cross of Jesus Christ. On a communion Sunday, hear that it was settled at the cross. Jesus Christ bore the penalty of our death. Any shame, any guilt spiritually that we should feel, Jesus bore it at the cross. Because of his sacrifice, you are not condemned any longer. Neither God nor his word stands over you like a presiding judge. And I know we hear that, you know, and just to to, to even begin to think that, to wrap your mind around it, whoa, it's huge. I know it's gigantic. It, it, It just blows our minds to consider that today. But folks, we have been set free. Jesus Christ fulfilled the penalty of the law for us. And so what that means for us in very practical terms is that the door to holiness is wide open for you and me. You know, sometimes we hear the word holiness or we hear God's command to be holy and we just recoil. I could never. Yes, you could. Yes, you could. As one not condemned, the door is wide open. And it leaves us actually like the woman in John chapter 8 after she has that, that, that brief interchange with Jesus where Jesus says to her, well, therefore, no one condemns you. Go and leave your life of sin. That's what the rest of our passage today, Romans, uh, Romans 8, 5 through 17, is all about us leaving our life of sin. So, Sandy, when you talked about it being your favorite chapter of Scripture, I mean, this, this is the good stuff today. Yeah, verse 1, There is Therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That was worth a shout-out. Absolutely. So, so here, what Paul is doing is he's telling us that we can actually leave our life of sin. And Paul is telling us how to do it. And just so you understand, Paul is not saying, okay, don't ever commit another sin in your life. What Paul is saying here is, look, this is how we can walk out. This is how we can become free. This is how we can become holy. This is the journey of holiness. Romans 8, 5 through 8. He says, those who live according to the flesh... They have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but you are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So here's what Paul is doing He's telling us, first of all, that holiness is about our minds, okay? Holiness begins with our mindset, it begins with our thoughts. And there are, by the way, two options when it comes to our mindset. Now, The first mindset he'll go into uh, a little bit. And just so you know, this is not a good option, okay? We don't want to go here. We don't want to live here. So Paul is calling us out of the first one. He's saying, look, it is possible for a Christian to hold on to the mindset that that we had before we met Jesus Christ. And he's talking about the mind of the flesh. He's saying, look, we can continue as believers to lean toward the things of this world the messages of this world. Uh, We can lean toward the flesh. We we can lean towards mentally uh, things that are at odds with God. We can even become hostile towards God. Paul is saying it is possible for a Christian believer uh, uh, to actually be governed by the flesh. Or there is a second mindset open to the children of God. We can now lean toward the things Of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit who indwells believers makes it possible to lean toward the things of the Spirit. Well, what kind of things? Well, a life of worship, a life of peace, uh, the the messages that come from God, the Word of God, God's promises, the ways that He lays out for us, the the invitations from God. The Holy Spirit makes it possible. He empowers our minds to set our minds on the things of God. And what he's doing is he is following a spiritual logic that, look, when we became Christians, we got a new nature. We got the nature of Christ, the nature of the Spirit within us, and that nature makes it possible for us to do something that we hear about all the time and, and some of us struggle with, and it's to actually repent. The Holy Spirit makes it possible for believers to Repent. What does it mean to repent? It means to think anew, to think afresh, to think again. This follows Paul's, uh, Paul, Paul's uh, uh, scripture in other places, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. This new nature within us can, can absolutely shift the paradigms of our minds. We as Christians do not have to be trapped in death, darkness, gloom fear, anger. You can let the list run on and on and on. Why? Because we have been set free. We are not under condemnation. Paul is saying, look, believe it or not, your mind has been liberated as a child of God, and you can step into it. We can think unshackled as as God's children. We can fix our minds on eternity we can, we, can, we can fix our minds on things above, fellowship with God, gratitude for, for what He's done, uh, you know, what He's doing, who we're becoming. We can live there mentally as the children of God. So point number one, we can think anew, all right? On to point number two, Romans 8:10 through 12. Paul writes, "But if the spirit of Christ, uh, uh, but if Christ is in you, Then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So, what Paul has done here is he's gone from two possible mindsets, you know, the mind of the flesh or the mind of the spirit. Now, he's moving us into two different obligations that we can live under. We can either live obligated to the flesh or obligated to the spirit. Now, Regarding the flesh, here's what Paul says. He's as clear as a bell on this one. Paul says, when it comes to the flesh, you owe the flesh nothing. As a child of God, set free, no longer condemned, you do not have to live under obligation to the flesh. We do not have to be under the rule of the flesh in our lives. And now, well, What does that mean? Well, driven by lust. Driven by materialism, driven by anger, i mean and and again, we can go on and on, we can step away from every lie of the flesh. Every false idol that the flesh puts up in front of us, we no longer have to bow to it. We are not obligated to the flesh. And I just pray that washes over your spirit today. But on the other hand, Paul is telling us, we have a great obligation to the Holy Spirit. And I think as Americans, we need to hear that. You know, big free Americans, you know, nobody's the boss of me. We have a great obligation to the Spirit of God. Why? The Holy Spirit set us free. The Holy Spirit has come and He's given us life. The Holy Spirit is the seal of our salvation. The Holy Spirit is the empowering presence of God within each and every one of us. He brought us to life. He made us free. Righteous, he offers us holiness. So, Paul is saying, Look, we can stop walking towards death as Christians, we don't have to be captives any longer. And and I just had this image this week putting together the the sermon of of just the, the, the Holy Spirit having thrown open the prison cell. And Paul is saying, Look, as Christians, you don't have to sit on that bench any longer, you are no longer shackled, you can walk out. This is Paul's message uh, to to, to every one of us. And so so Paul is kind of asking us also a rhetorical question. And the question he's asking in context is, look, in in light of all of this, in light of the fact that that Jesus Christ has set us free, we belong to Jesus, in, in light of the Holy Spirit within us, why in the world would any Christian choose anything other than life? why would we choose captivity? Why, why would we remain in a dark place? Why would we choose wrongness instead of righteousness or, or rightness in the Lord? And that's why Paul invites us by the Spirit's power to put to death the misdeeds of the body. And listen, it's very important. When it comes to putting to death the misdeeds of the body, the habits, those, you know, you know, the, the, the ugly broken parts of us, It needs to be done with the Spirit's help. Has has anyone ever tried to kind of set yourself free from sin? How did that go? It's pretty tough, right? I I was in a fundamentalist church at one point where this was the whole goal of the church. Nobody got free. Why? This is the work of the Spirit. So Paul invites us to join with the Spirit, step into these realities, and, and to truly become free indeed. So having called us now to a new mindset of the Spirit, having now called us to a new obligation, to the the Spirit of God, to Jesus Christ, Paul ends this section now with two possible lives that we can live as Christians. And uh, here they are, Romans 8, 14 through 17. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Oh, what a verse. What a verse. It deserves repeating. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are God's children, then we are heirs. We are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Now, I, I want to reread verse 14. This is Steve's kind of modern day prose here. I think 14 can be understood this way now that we've talked about all of this. Those who have embraced the Spirit's mindset, those who live under obligation to him, those who are led by the Spirit like this, these are the children of God. It's just a, a verse in context. Now, for them and for us, for those of us us who fit this bill, and everybody's invited, this is is for all of us, um, there is now only one life before us as Christians. Now, we can live in fear. Paul refers to that. We can live in fear, right? We can live in a a, a life of doubt. We can live like slaves, which is being an orphan. We can live in the flesh. We can live under the law. happens all the time. We've seen Christians, we've known folks who live in this place. But, folks, as those saved and led by the Spirit of God, we can live a new life as an adopted son. How's that sound? Okay, that that sounds pretty good on earthly terms. Now, on earthly terms, when you're talking about adoption, here's what you mean, all right? In an earthly adoption, uh, and many of you have done this. Someone takes a child, maybe from another country, maybe in the foster system in the US. We take that child in. They are without a family. They are without parents. They get to join our family. They get to enjoy our love, our resources. We get to help them shape and grow. All right? Earthly adoption is awesome. Okay? Th- that, that is fantastic. But believe it or not, when Paul talks about that, he is talking about spiritual adoption. All right? Paul has taken adoption and he is taking it to a place. That goes a whole lot higher than earthly adoption. Now, the word in Greek, just so you know, is huiathasia, okay? Huiathasia. And listen to what it means. It points to the ancient Greek tradition of sun placing. How does that sound? Sounds like I need to explain what sun placing is. Here's what sun placing is. In the Greek culture, sun placing was when a, a, a Greek man would go out And he would adopt, he would take a minor who had to be male, he would take a minor into his family, okay? But when he took the minor into his family, this minor inherited everything the man had. His whole estate, all of his wealth, all of his power. Folks, this is exactly what God has done for each and every Christian, Sometimes we feel like paupers as Christians. Sometimes we feel as less than folks. You inherited it all when when you were brought into the family of God. The entire kingdom of God is yours. Don't believe me? Well, let's believe Paul. Verse 17, if we are God's children, we are heirs of God. We are co-heirs with Christ. Do we all agree that Jesus Christ is sitting on top of a treasure, that, that everything is his? It's also yours. You are a co-heir with Jesus Christ. And, And that's why it's really important as Americans, and you know we have political correctness and all this other stuff going on, we do not want to get hung up on the word sun placing and get offended. Listen, whether you are male or female, whether you are young or old, you're being sun placed here. The entire kingdom of God is yours. This is the love of God. This is the generosity of God for each and every Christian. And that's why Paul includes the heart response. You know, the only heart response back to God after all of this, is just, Abba, Abba, Daddy, God, thank you. It's the only way you can respond to this kind of lavish love and generosity. Do you know what Paul has done today, by the way? He's been a little bit sneaky with us. Let me, let me point this out to you. Paul started off with a verse that Sandy had me repeat there is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ. Paul started there. Well, did you notice what Paul did in, uh, in verses 1 through 17? Paul took us in a circle. He took us on a lap around the track. The journey we took today was starting at no condemnation. And then, then as we looked at this new mindset, this new obligation, this new place in God's family, now he's led us right back to no condemnation. And see, we started with this statement that... You know, when I read There's No Condemnation in Christ the first time, I was like, oh, I can't even get that. My heart does not get that. But Paul takes us in a circle, and what he's doing here is he is knocking down every wall of condemnation that builds up in the Christian life. Folks, this is the life in the Spirit. This is the heart of communion. And before we take communion, I want to pray for us, okay? So let let me pray for us, and then, Neil, I'm going to pass the mic over to you, brother. Or actually, let you bring up the other mic. Father God, in Jesus' name, we don't want to be just hearers of the Word of God. We want to be doers. And Lord, what Paul is offering us here, what he's inviting us into, it requires a yes from us. And Lord, there there are folks in this room, God, there there are people in this room who struggle with condemnation. Father, I believe that that for so many of us, that, that condemnation and fear... And guilt and shame, they're like our shadow. Every time the sun comes out, we just see it right there. And Lord, right now, you say that there is a different offer. There's a different offer on the table. That the Spirit of God has come to indwell us and not just to kind of mark us for heaven someday, but he's come to do something in us. And so, Father, right now, where where there are shackles of the mind, where there is an anchor, Lord, where we feel like we are stuck in a prison cell, Right now, in Jesus' name, we declare together with Paul, there is no condemnation. And I just pray that you would hear that in your heart. In Jesus' name, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So, Father God, even now as we've heard the word of God, would you renew, would you transform our thinking as a people? Father, would you allow us just to walk out of here liberated and free? And we just say in Jesus' name that, that, we are, that we are free. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We say yes to that in Jesus' name. And even as we take communion and we, we seek to take it in a worthy manner, oh, Father God, can we do that today as a son, an adopted, son-placed believer in Jesus' name? We thank you that communion is our inheritance. The body and the blood of Christ setting us free, remembering who we are, that you have set us free to live in Jesus' name, to be blessed and to be a blessing, to love you with all that we are and then to love out of that. Father God, thank you. Thank you for loving us so much. Holy Spirit, thank you for your ministry. We welcome you in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to the KPC podcast. For more messages and information, visit kpc.org.